The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hi, and welcome to Provoke Podcast. I'm Diana Marzalek from Provoke Media. Um, my guest today is Mark Levy. Mark is the creative director with MSL in New York, and we're here to talk creative. Hi, Mark. Hi, Diana. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Feeling creative this afternoon? Uh, always. Uh, it's in the job description. <laughs> well, that's one of my, I always wonder, like, how can you be creative on demand? I mean, I have trouble writing on demand, and often it's just kind of putting together other people's words. So it's um, the idea of being creative as a professional, especially now, um, is very admirable. You know, um, when when uh, I first uh, took the creative director role at Conan Wolf, uh, what seems like now a million years ago, uh, my boss pulled me aside and he said, you know, I'm giving you this job, but you need to know that there's going to be very little appetite for a dry spell. So <laughs> I, I almost have had to adopt this uh, always on uh, uh, kind of mentality that lets me dive in at, at any moment. Certainly there are times when I'm feeling more creative than not, but um, knowing that, having having the fear of God put into me at, at the very early stages uh, kind of set me on this path where I, it allows me to, to jump in at a moment's notice. It's amazing what you can do when you're under pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Coming up with crazy ideas. And <laughs> I, how do you even define creative? Because now we're talking a lot about um, certainly the big idea, but also working with um, measurement, data analytics, um, the range and um, how how do you define creative and how has creative had to adapt over time? Uh, you know, I, I've always taken the Steve Jobs school of uh, of defining creative, and I, I heard him speak about it uh, in an interview he did years ago, and it was he talked about this idea that when you ask a creative how they did something and how they came up with something his opinion was that they always feel a little guilty because they just saw a couple of things and, and connected them. And it seemed a little obvious to them at the time, but it's that power of observation and using it to synthesize new things that I always felt was at the heart of, uh, of my job. Um, you know, again, being creative, it's seeing the same thing as everyone else, but thinking about it a little differently. And, uh, you know, he was obviously, uh, of course, uh, the, the master of that. But um, it's interesting you talk about the data and analytics side because the one uh, kind of rant that I've always had in my back pocket is this idea that if you're uh, an analytical thinker, if you're data-driven, then that, that somehow precludes you from being creative. Uh, and and I, I think it was somebody at Pixar once talked about this idea that the greatest scientists and engineers are every bit as creative as the greatest storytellers because art challenges technology and technology inspires art. And, and honestly, if it wasn't for that real grounding in data and analytics, if it wasn't for that grounding in uh, you know, the, the data and science of human behavior and how we make decisions and how we operate in a culture, uh, my job would be a, a lot harder uh, than, than it is. I, I certainly wouldn't be as good at it as I, 
<laughs> I think I am. I mean, as you're speaking, I realize it probably does give a framework or a, a, a goal. Being creative is abstract, right? To some degree. Sure. Um, sure. So it does put something concrete in the mix, um, I would think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you, you asked about kind of defining creative. Uh, I, I've always believed that great creative does one of two things. Uh, it makes the complex simple or it makes the ordinary extraordinary. And, and the, the best creative out there has that elegant simplicity about it. And, and it, the, 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 the output, you know, just always feels right. You know, you, you know it in your gut when it's there. Uh, the, there's, such a, there's such a difficult time that we all have coming up with some kind of objective metrics around what's creative and what's not. I've never seen that work exceptionally well because it's so subjective, uh, you know, it, it's so personal and you're never gonna have a single creative uh, execution. You're never gonna have a single idea that captures everyone's attention, that, that resonates with every single person that you're trying to reach. Um, but I, I think if if you know it when you see it, it's like you know it's a what is it uh, Justice Potter Stewart uh, in the famous uh, Supreme Court pornography case. I, I I can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it. Right. Uh, I, I, it sounds like a bit of a cop out. It sounds like a bit of an easy way out, but I I think that's really true of of creative and, and the work that we do. No, I get it. I get it because I think of those campaigns over time, or you know, the classic ad ad rollout and all that. That they just work, and it it shows me. I mean, do you think PR really still though comes down then to the big idea, to the creative idea? I, I think it does in a lot of ways, um, and and I think that there's also a, a bit of a myth that uh, there, there has to be this big giant umbrella piece of creative in order for it to be good or effective, uh, in order for it to be meaningful or relevant. Uh, I, I think some of the best ideas uh, that we've ever put into the market uh, have been these little kind of tweaks, these little kind of uh, nuggets uh, at, at MSL, um, a quick, quick commercial. Uh, MSL. You go right ahead. We now, we now pause for a commercial break. Go ahead. <laughs> That's right. We, we call it leading through integration. Okay. So even when we're uh, integrating with, uh, you know, uh, an ad agency or, uh, you know, a digital agency, a branding agency, uh, even if they're leading the umbrella creative for a client, even if even if they're the lead agency in any given integrated situation, the way we can bring our creative thinking to the table sometimes might be uh, a creative pitch or a different way of spinning something or an execution uh, that that feels really creative. Uh, the, the most recent example I can think of to kind of frame this up for you, uh, a partner agency that we were working with uh, had the idea around the debate of uh, how you pronounce uh, the word uh, or the acronym GIF, right? Whether it's GIF yep, or GIF. We have that debate regularly. Yeah, okay. So um, uh, they had this idea for our, uh, our GIF client to kind of really bring that to life uh, for the brand, uh, to make that real, to, to rally consumers around that, uh, that debate. 
And the way we were able to bring it to life and, and really accelerate the, the buzz and the shareability around an idea like that was just by recommending that they sell GIF branded peanut butter <laughs> on Amazon. And, and I think there was a moment where the, the jars were going for like $1,000 on eBay. Like there was such gotta have it, you know, talkability about it. Uh, and, and it wasn't this huge, massive idea. It wasn't this earth shattering, big, bold piece of creative that you know, was gonna take over the world. It was that little piece of elegant simplicity that brought the idea to life in, in a way that made it work for our discipline. It, it doesn't have to be a huge idea, but it's a great idea. It took off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and you know, one of one of the things that uh, that kind of set me on my career path, and and the thing that really inspired me, and and all the work that I do, was a, a, a quote, uh, and it was a kind of a throwaway quote from uh, John Cleese of Monty Python fame. He was giving a, a much broader speech on a lot of different things in comedy in the Python years. And what he said was that creativity is not a talent. It's a way of operating. And this idea that only the creative directors or someone with creative in their title can, can have the big idea, that only a, a certain few sequestered in a dark room with lots of stuff on walls and lots of things pinned to uh, whiteboards uh, can can come up with brilliant creative is is a lie. Uh, it's it, it's really about how we operate and and what we put into place to make sure that literally every single person at our agency is a creative. Uh, it's it, it's an it, it's embracing a system that allows them to be their best creative selves in the service of our clients. Um, and I imagine because you are working as teams and every, every piece of a campaign, every piece of client service does have that creative edge, right? Um, I have heard, not that this is affecting me, that it's, it's a hard time to stay creative and motivated. <laughs> My friends are talking about it. Um, we're all sort of at home. I mean, you and I are talking on a Friday afternoon, so that compounds it, but how... It, 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 at a time when people are just having a hard time keeping it going, right? Just staying afloat, doing what you got to do, getting your work done. How are you finding being creative? How do you inspire your team to be creative? I mean, what, what are you doing to keep this going? Uh, so I, I think it starts with being a voracious consumer of content uh, and really uh, ensuring that no matter how physically disconnected you might be, uh, you are plugged into what's going on in the culture. And, and right now, listen, we, we both know our culture is a, a hot mess. Uh, everything, everything about the world seems off right now. But if you scrape away kind of this, this top layer of awfulness that we're exposed to every day, um, you, you can you can dig a little deeper and still see these elements of culture and conversation uh, that, that run under it all. And ensuring that you're plugged into that and, and you stay um, up on what's timely and relevant and, and what's going on with the, you know, people's psyche um, is, is a key to it. Um, 
we're, we're also blessed to have some really great uh, uh, planners uh, at, at, at MSL. Um, we have some people that are just incredible at developing insights. And uh, it's almost a cliche at this point about how important insights are and how they fuel creativity. But it wouldn't be a cliche if, if there wasn't truth to it. And at least for me, uh, when I work really hand in glove with our planners to understand um, you know, the zeitgeist of what's going on with, with people right now, with consumers, in, in every different kind of sub uh, uh, section of, of our culture, um, it, it really keeps me motivated. Um, I'm actually also, to be candid here, and I, I, this maybe was not the answer. <laughs> you were Go ahead. For. It's all fair game here. Uh, I, I also really enjoy kind of locking myself away and, and a lot of times just beating my head against the wall. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's almost like making taffy, right? If you just, right. you know, excuse the disgusting visual metaphor, you're, you're oh, like pulling taffy. ideas apart, you're putting them back together and you're, you're right. twisting them around, you're throwing pieces away, you're picking stuff off, off the floor. You're, you're really giving yourself an opportunity uh, and permission to be creative and, and be expansive in your thinking, even if you're physically alone. Uh, I, I know I can call up one of two or three dozen people uh, across the US and, and have a creative foil that can bounce ideas with me back and forth, that can uh, call BS on certain things, that can elevate certain points that maybe I'd forgotten. Um, you know, at, at its heart, I, I have always believed that creativity is a team sport. Uh, but working alone is something that hasn't really been that much of an issue for me uh, in terms of my physical solitude. You mentioned um, cliches, <laughs> and you mentioned <laughs> the world being a hot mess and awful. <laughs> we kind of, like, especially with when, when the pandemic, when the pandemic first started rolling out, there was sort of this moment of what do we do, right? How do brands address this? where's the line between addressing it and being cliche and not being cliche. And then there was COVID fatigue. I mean, how do you wrestle the creative knowing what is okay with reflecting what really is going on in the world? And how do you have to, I imagine you have to rapidly change it so that when the fatigue does set in or when too many other creatives are doing the same thing, you have to pull it. I mean, it's gotta be a, a constant, transformation am i correct of, of what's being put out there yeah I, you, I think you're 100 correct and uh I, I think your premise is also right in that what we do has become uh exponentially more difficult uh when you are I, I, I am certainly not diminishing um, the impact of COVID on, uh, uh, you know, on, on our culture and, and the horrific way it's, uh, it's, it's really impacted uh, the world. Um, from a creative standpoint, though, uh, it's really nothing more than another filter that you have to use to identify if your idea really does have meaning to it, if it really does have, have spark to it. Um, I will say that the, the thing that hasn't changed is the center of gravity for how we think about ideas. And that center of gravity is, and, and this is true, I, I would suggest for every uh, great campaign I've ever been a part of, for every big idea I've ever had, it started with that deceptively simple question, 
what problem are we trying to solve as opposed to how do we want to talk about something right i'm i'm not a messaging expert i'm not someone who's going to be able to fine tune um a, a narrative that uh, allows any organization to thread the needle between business as usual while paying attention to uh, you know something that's going on as, as horrible as as COVID or, or the social injustice that we're facing. Um, but if you can start with that very basic premise and lean into that and create ideas that actually do help solve problems, that actually do answer an authentic need, a genuine uh, issue that your target consumer is having, uh, I, I think that you can see COVID as the problem that it is, knowing that what we're doing is going to is going to uh, not only solve some unique and novel problems that are going on with with COVID and, and all these issues now, but um, actually give your brands an opportunity to say something important uh, in, in this time. Because I, I think the other thing that we we all uh, have have come to recognize is the idea of brand as spectator is no longer an option. Uh, it, it's, it's not a new thought to suggest that consumers reward uh, brands who take a stand, uh, who have a point of view, who, who make an impact. Uh, I, I think that's been elevated uh, in, in this time we're living in now more than ever. But at what point is it okay for brands, for creative to go back and just um, give people some relief, have some fun? <laughs> Um, you know, how do you I think that's part of it? Yeah, I absolutely think that I, I absolutely think that's part of it. Uh, you know, uh, 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 my my uh, my wife and I got into a, a, a little uh, argument not too long ago. Um, my my uh, oldest daughter was really disappointed that a concert that she had been wanting to go to for you know months and months uh, at the outset of COVID ha had been canceled. And she was really upset about it. And, uh, you know, th there's, there's one line of logic that's, you know, people are really suffering out there. How dare you, you know, make a big deal out of something that's, that's, that's you know, so little, so unimportant. My point of view, frankly, was that, you know, you're allowed to mourn the little things. You're allowed to be sad for the way something really affects you. And, Again, if you go back to that central question, that center of gravity of what problem are we trying to solve, giving people permission to, to enjoy the lives that they're leading, giving people uh, an opportunity to kind of find the joy in the everyday, in the mundane, and giving people permission to, to, to turn off certain elements of the world so that they can have a little fun and they can enjoy themselves and they can be with the people that they love and who love them and, and their friends. And I think, I think that's just as important as anything that we do. As using your home as a microcosm, as you were saying, you and your wife had two different um, takes on that kind of a situation. So how do you, when you're trying to get the pulse of a larger population and you're speaking or helping a brand sending messages, I mean, there's going to be two sides, right? I mean, you could you could be taking risks and going out there and having a little fun, right? And then you could run the risk of of like drowning in in the reality of what's going on or being cliche. You can't make everybody happy, right? I mean, there's always going to be that that split. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you you absolutely you know hit on one of the biggest issues that that we're facing now, and that is the 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 choices that we make, the things that we say, the acts um, that we put into the market are are more under the microscope now uh, than than ever before. And uh, listen, at, at the end of the day. Uh, and a lot of people don't like to really admit this because the, just the term is scary for communicators. Uh, there is risk in in big, bold, creative. There is risk in the new. You know, th there's that fundamental problem with creativity that the more creative something is, right, the more novel it is. But the more novel it is, the greater the uncertainty around whether or not it's it's going to work. And uh, the the status quo is powerful. The, the, the thing that we did last year that worked, um, letting the ghosts of past success outvote original thinking, uh, these are serious problems to overcome. They're problems every day, you know, in, 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 uh, in air quotes, in normal times. Uh, they're even more magnified now. But uh, I mean, I would really argue uh, strongly that that if we're going to uh, figure out new ways for new problems, we've got to, to, to a, at least a certain extent, abandon old ways of thinking. Uh, if, if the only way you're going to address a problem, this is, I, I would suggest that this goes beyond communications. If the only way you're going to address a problem is by applying past solutions and things that have worked yesterday and things that have uh, uh, shown success uh, the last time we did this, you're never gonna come up with original solutions. You're never gonna come up with new ideas. Um, you know, uh, Nicholas Negroponte, who was uh, the founder and uh, you know, chairman of MIT's New Media Lab, uh, once talked about the idea that incrementalism is innovation's worst enemy. Right. If you're spending every waking hour trying to make something a little bit better than yesterday, then then you're not coming up with the new. You're not spending the time making something new and different. And, and those two uh, those two ideas are are in conflict with one another. Th those are opposite ends of the spectrum. So, um, you know, I, I've I've always told clients that if my ideas aren't making you uncomfortable, then I'm not doing my job. Because if, if, if they're not, if, it, if it's so safe, if it's something that you could have come up with, well, then one of us doesn't need to be here. Uh, you, you don't need to be paying us to come up with thinking that you could have arrived at, you know, on your own couch. So you're the so, risk taker. Um, you're the risk taker in this. I, I, I'm the risk taker, and I believe uh, not in a reckless way, in, in an acceptable way. You know, the risk still has to be, it has to be right for the brand. It has to be right for the organization. It has to be right for the culture and your target. But ultimately, um, risk is how you get to the new. Risk is how you get to the compelling. Risk is how you get people to pay attention. And uh, the, way, the way we do that is uh, through, through new and novel ideas, big thinking. Are you saying brands um, can track though at all on that? I mean, given like the racial discord that we're having right now in particular, you make one mistake, there's no room for error, right? Um, is that, is that um, hampering creativity and risk-taking? 
I, I don't think it's hampering creativity because um, uh, what what I don't think we would ever do it, and and I'm 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 trying to you know the wheels turn as as I'm saying as I'm saying this out loud. Uh, what we would never do is attempt to co-opt something that is as important and as uh, is, is uh, uh, divisive as something like uh, the social justice movement that we're all seeing. Uh, uh, because you know what we never want to be seen as is a, a brand that is riding the coattails of something. We never want to be seen as uh, you know, or, or rather, our clients. Uh, we never want them to be seen as opportunists um, and, and taking advantage of something that there isn't a heritage in, that, that we, you know that they don't have permission to play in. So um, I think that you know different organizations uh, have different risk tolerances based on uh, their brands and their culture. You know, um, uh, Nike and uh, Home Depot don't have the same risk tolerance, nor should they. Uh, but they can all be uh, innovative. They can all uh, take some chances within the confines of their brand space and, and what's expected of them. Interesting. Um, are brands nervous at this time with so much going oh, yeah, on? Everybody's nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous, nervous too. <laughs> so here we go. Yeah, That's the end of listen, our show. <laughs> we are nervous. To, to be candid, uh, you know, I, I'm a... I don't know if I should be saying this. I, I'm a 51-year-old white guy. Um, walking down the street, I am the poster child for the problems of racial injustice and, 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 and Black Lives Matter in, in, our, in our society. Um, I, I'm, I'm super nervous about saying the wrong thing, about doing the wrong thing, about, about appearing uh, you know, in, in the wrong way. Um, and, and not, I, I mean, nobody's attacked me. I don't think I, I, I don't feel the need to, you know, defend myself in this moment, but I, I know where my heart is. And, and if I just follow my heart, I know that ultimately I'm going to be able to do the right thing. And, and I think that's a fair way to talk about it from a brand perspective. Um, it, you know, are you on the right side of this issue? Are you on the right side of history? When you go home at night, what do you want to tell your family you did today? When you talk to consumers, what do you want to share with them about your point of view uh, about the things that are going on? Uh, and and I, I think that sometimes brands lose that. They, they lose the heart in what they're doing. And, and if, if, you wanna, if you wanna reach people's hearts, you have to have heart yourself. So that's so, the first um, step. It's that, and then the creativity, then the campaigning, then the message follows, correct? Versus having to come up with a message right now because of what's going on in the world and finding yeah, the heart, yeah. your you heart know, what, that has to the, be first. One of the first uh, questions that I ask um, when uh, you know an account director uh, presents a new challenge from a client is, uh, are they asking us what to say and do, or are they just asking us how to talk about what they're already doing? because there are different levels of influence we have with different clients. So um, when, when it's the latter, uh, we're, we're far more tightly constrained uh, as it relates to what we're going to recommend and how we're gonna talk about certain things because we're, we're ultimately running uh, a, uh, a very concise and a very tight playbook. When it comes to uh, the question of, well, tell us what we should do in this moment, help us understand our place 
in culture, help us understand how to make a difference, then we can be a, a, a lot uh, a lot freer and, and a lot, uh, our ideas will be a lot more evocative and I think profound uh, because we all know where the, the, the side of the angels is in this situation. We all know where we want to wake up in the morning in the world that we want to create. And, and uh, I, I really still believe, and, and I hope this doesn't come off as just ridiculously naive, but I, I really believe that PR and the way it communicates and influences still has the power to change the world. I, I do truly believe that, and 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 that's what we look to do in times of crisis and and in in times of peace, um, and and we're going to continue to do that. That is such a beautiful closing statement that I think we need to end our show on that because <laughs> it's like the perfect closer, unscripted, right? <laughs> that we are going to change the world, and it's wonderful. Anything else I say will just turn out awful. So yeah, this yeah, is so okay. let's, so let's go out on top. That works. All right, Michael, I appreciate the conversation. It's great. Um, it's nice to hear you're um, staying motivated and staying inspired as, as that's my personal takeaway. So I appreciate that personally. Well, Diana, really, thank you for, for having me in this opportunity. And, and the conversation has been just great for me. Uh, I feel like I've been talking a mile a minute. Um, God, I have a lot to say, but uh, that's all right. there's, always part two. The there's always part two. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready when you are. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Diana. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.